Your Bibles, please, for our second reading. And we'll turn to Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6, verse 1. Hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, but by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments, and I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into or bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it you for an heritage. I am the Lord. And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel. But they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Go in, speak unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that he let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spake before the Lord, saying, Behold, the children of Israel have not hearkened unto me. How then shall Pharaoh hear me, who am of uncircumcised lips? And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, and gave them a charge unto the children of Israel and unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. These be the heads of their fathers' houses, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanoch and Palu, Hezron and Carmi. These be the families of Reuben. And the sons of Simeon, Jemuel and Jamin and Ohad and Jakin and Zohar and Shaul, the son of a Canaanitish woman, These are the families of Simeon. And these are the names of the sons of Levi according to their generations. Gershon and Kohath and Merari. And the years of the life of Levi were an hundred thirty and seven years. The sons of Gershon, Libni and Shimi according to their families. And the sons of Kohath, Amram and Izhar and Hebron and Uziel, and the years of the life of Kohat were an hundred thirty and three years. And the sons of Merari, 
Mahali and Mushi. These are the families of Levi according to their generations. And Amram took Yokeved, his father's sister, to wife. And she bare him Aaron and Moses. And the years of the life of Amram were an hundred and thirty and seven years. And the sons of Izhar, Korah, and Nepheg, and Zikri, and the sons of Uziel, Mishael, and Elsaphan, and Zithri. And Aaron took him Elisheba, the daughter of Aminadab, sister to Naashan, to wife, and she bare him Nadab, and Abihu, and Eleazar, and Ithamar. And the sons of Korah, Asir, and Elkanah, and Abiasaph, or Asaph, Abiasaph, these are the families of the Korhites. And Eleazar, Aaron's son, took him, one of the daughters of Putiel, to wife, and she bare him Phinehas. These are the heads of the fathers of the Levites, according to their families. These are that Aaron and Moses, to whom the Lord said, Bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, according to their armies. These are they which spake unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt. These are that Moses and Aaron. And it came to pass on the day when the Lord spake unto Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I am the Lord. Speak unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say unto thee. And Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips, and how shall Pharaoh hearken unto me? May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. So, if I were to characterize this chapter, chapter 6 of Exodus, I would characterize it as that which pertains to continuity. This is, it seems to me, the purpose for chapter 6. We learn from chapter 6 that what God does through Moses is not new in the world. It is a fulfillment of the promise that God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. As good Presbyterians and good practitioners and teachers of covenant theology then, we will say that what God uh, cut, the covenant that God cut with Abraham is a species of the covenant of grace. And what continues on then in Exodus is not a new sort of thing. It is a contiguous fulfillment of what God had promised, the gracious intent that he had with the sons of Abraham now going to play out in the days of Moses. It's the continuity that we emphasize here. The Apostle Paul will say the same thing in Galatians chapter 3. He will say that the law which came 430 years later should not disannul the promise that was made. So at the beginning here we have this curious statement that I think some theologians have gone off the rails over. Um, this, is, this would be the, the genesis, if you will, the first few verses of this chapter. 
are the genesis of a, of a decided discontinuity between Genesis, I, I used the word Genesis in two contexts, didn't I? Let me, let me clear that up. That would be the beginning, if you will, of the conflict between Genesis and Exodus in the minds of some theologians. Because what does it say here? The Lord says to Moses, I am the Lord Jehovah. He will use the, the tetragrammaton, that four-letter Hebrew name that comes from the Hebrew verb to be, ehyeh, that we will sometimes say as Yahweh in some of our circles. There are those who would say, no, that's not what it is. It should be Jehovah. Jehovah is a fine pr- pronunciation. We need not worry about that. And so what we have here is we have God saying, I was not known as Jehovah to the patriarchs. I was known as El Elyon, God Most High, or God Most Mighty, if you will. Uh, God Lifted Up, or El Shaddai, God All Sufficient. I was known by that name rather than by Jehovah unto the, uh, the patriarchs. Now immediately when we read that, we as good Bible scholars and reading with understanding, will see that very many times there is dialogue recorded between say Abraham and God and God will use the name Jehovah in that dialogue so it's not like what what is being said here in chapter 6 is that the Lord never used the term Jehovah but that now that we have reached this place in redemptive history the name Jehovah is going to be primary in what they will understand concerning their God Why? Because the name Jehovah speaks to the covenant honoring and promise keeping God. And so it appears to them in bondage in Egypt that those promises of God have come to an end. And the Lord says, no, I'm going to revive that name that, that the patriarchs only knew me by in a little bit. And I'm going to remember before you publicly that I am the promise honoring covenant keeping God and I will bring you out of Egypt. And so he brings Jehovah into focus, into center stage, if you will, as the way that he now reveals himself to the children of Israel. Yes, he was known as El Shaddai. Yes, he was known as El Elyon. And the Lord also used the term Jehovah, but he hasn't really explained it until now. This is the covenant-keeping promise-honoring God related to the verb to be. This is how he revealed himself to Moses. This is why I'm bringing you out of Egypt, because my promises never fail, because I am that I am. And so this is why Jehovah is brought to the focus here. It is, it is a new step in God's self-revelation of himself, because of the new necessities of the people of God being now in bondage in Egypt. It is not entirely new. And we want to emphasize the continuity. The other thing that I will say about this passage is this is one of the strangest genealogies that are laid down in all of Scripture. It is obvious that we are purposive in laying it down. What, what is strange about it? Maybe some of you Bible scholars have picked it up. Well, we begin by talking about Jacob's firstborn, Reuben, then Jacob's secondborn, uh, Simeon, and then Jacob's thirdborn, Levi, and we don't talk about anybody after Levi. Why is that? Because we are emphasizing the genealogy of Moses and Aaron here, who will be the leaders of, 
of this next expression of the church of the living God. All we want to do here is to establish the continuity between Moses and Aaron and Levi and Jacob. It was Levi that came down with his father Jacob. And by the way, his three sons were already born. Kohat, Gershon, and Merari. They were already born when they came into Egypt. And then from them, we have the subsequent generations, which now end at at, uh, Phineas. And Phineas is the youngest that is mentioned in the genealogy. And why Phineas? Well, let's remember that Phineas is the Levite, the high priest that will bring them into the land of promise. So you can see then that this genealogy is entirely purposive in that it is, it is meant to establish the priesthood among the people of God and in establishing that priesthood to take them with the priesthood into the land of promise in the person of Phineas. And let's remember who Phineas was. Phineas was the one, there are two things that distinguish Phineas in the record. The first is that he was the one that rose up with the javelin in the days of Baal Peor. And the Lord made a covenant of peace with him because of his actions in that day. And then secondly, we'll see Phineas as leading the priest, as himself the high priest, when the Transjordanic tribes set up Ed. You remember Ed. Ed was the altar that they set up on the other side of the river Jordan, not for sacrifice, but for solidarity and continuity with Jerusalem. Right? And so Phineas then is that high priest that governs over that examination of the Transjordanic religion to make sure that it was still the religion of Jehovah. And so that's why Phineas is the last one mentioned here because he is the high priest that takes them into the land of promise. There's there's one more matter to handle here in this passage and it is a matter of chronology. Ask most conservative Bible scholars how long the people of Egypt sojourned, sorry, the children of Israel sojourned in Egypt and you will hear the answer, anybody know? 430 years. Well, that's an interesting answer. There's another orthodox understanding of scripture that the 430 years pertains actually to the entirety of the, of the time from Abraham all the way to the Exodus and that they were actually in bondage for half of that 215 years. Okay? And both of those are orthodox it, it, it depends on which ones of the scriptures that you emphasize as being definitive or not. But as you consider this genealogy, let's, let's take a look for, for just a second. So, Levi lives 137 years. Right? His son, what is his son that's mentioned here? I have to look to remember. Okay, so Levi bare three children, Gershon, Kohat, and Merari. The life of the years of Levi were 137 years. Then the sons of Gershon, Libni, Shimei, according to their families, the sons of Kohat, Amram, Izhar, and Hebron, 
And the, the years of Kohat were 133 years. And then after that, Amram, whose years were 137 years. So 137, 133, and you have 137 again, but a part of that original 137 uh, were already expired because Kohat, Gershon, and Merari were already alive when they came into Egypt. And so a part of that 137 is expired, and also a part of the 133 that follows it, Kohat's life. And then you have Amram after that at 137. uh, And then Moses beyond that who lived uh, 120 years overall and right up to the edge of the exodus. So it's, I'm sorry, right up to the edge of of the conquest. And so you have a genealogy here that lends itself more to the shorter time in Egypt rather than the longer time in Egypt. And I bring that up only to show you that, that, the, that very often in Scripture what we're going to see is we're going to see years being used in ways that we as Western 21st century people don't use years. So the 430 years may indeed encompass all of the, all of the time from, from the time that God made a promise to Abraham until the Exodus. Or it may be that they were in Egypt for 430 years, as some scholars would say. But this genealogy would be one of those pieces of evidence that fall on the shorter Egyptian sojourn rather than the longer. All right, with that then, let's uh, stand and continue praising God.